Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. guys, welcome back to Witchy Wellness. I am your host, Lauren, and you are listening to episode 149, Return to Wholeness with Holly Toronto. And before we jump into today's episode where we dive deep into our own and our collective good girl programming and why it's not serving us, I wanted to take a second to ask you guys, have you listened to episode 148, A Year in Review, one of my weekly inspirational episodes? Just like in your business, your life, we need to take time to review and ask, where did we grow? Where did we come up against ourselves? And where do we want to go next year? And how can we let go of the things that we're holding us back from changing this year? So you might want to get out a a pen and paper out and make sure to pause the audio as we go along. Or maybe you just listen to the whole thing straight through and just absorb and listen and hear what you need to take away. But regardless, I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you had a magical year. And maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but maybe you realize you do need help changing, that you keep hitting your head against the wall in certain areas of your life, which makes you feel like you have more overwhelm or or more anxiety about the things that you want to change. And and between now and the end of the week, I'm offering 40% off my signature course, Anxious to Align, which helps walk you through how to literally rewire your brain. And when you come up against yourself, what do we do? And the science behind change. To learn more about this course, head over to Anxious to Aligned, and there's a link in the show notes, but make sure to get your course by this Friday, December 3rd for 40% off. It's never too late for 2021 and it's never too early for next year to start your change now. You don't have to wait for a new year to do so. And without further ado, please enjoy episode 149, Return to Wholeness with Holly Toronto. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. I am your host, Lauren, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way, but actually leading the way. And today, we are here to talk with Holly Toronto all about good girl programming or the compliant woman and how we can step into our feminine freedom and more on Holly. She is a certified master level coach who has five years of experience helping women stop prioritizing other people's expectations of beauty, belief, or behavior. So they can go, they can live their life from a place of wholeness, fully aligned with the truth of who they are. She uses intuitive and spiritual approach that is constantly guiding her clients back to themselves, helping them fall in love with their own unique and powerful voice, build partnership with, with their wise and beautiful bodies, and embody a spirituality that gives and directs the bold lives they desire to live. That is one juicy intro. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Holly. Thank you for having me, Lauren. I'm very, very excited to be here. Likewise, I think we were talking off air. I, 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 I probably want to say every woman has some type of good girl or compliant woman programming that's there, whether we realize it or not. It's societal, generational. It's there. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I, I can't bring up this topic in a group of women without them being like, Oh yeah, that's me. And it's, it's, it's very confronting and difficult yeah. to look at because, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but we get so much out of it, right? Like we get so much, whether that's praise or accolades, or we get the, the recognition of like, Oh yeah, like Lauren did a really great job or, you know, Lauren's willing to sacrifice herself <laughs> for, for the team or whatever it might be. Like we, it gets consistently reinforced within us that this is the right way to be right. So much so that we suppress our own voice. We suppress our intuition. We suppress um, our power in many ways. And so, yeah, this work, it's like, it's very confronting, but it's incredibly liberating at the same time. hundred percent. And I'm sure with that being said, you have your own beautiful heroine's journey of, you know, your own transformation from that good girl programming into your own feminine freedom. Could you take a second and tell us your own journey? I know probably paraphrase a lot. I, yes, I, I said yes. people like, yeah, I mean, summarize as much as you can, because when you're going through it, I know it feels like it's forever. And, you know, you know, the ends in sight. And it's still unfolding. Yeah. It's always There's unfolding. Still yes. ways yes. in which I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's good girl programming right yeah. here. <laughs> so, so yeah, I will paraphrase as much as possible not share the full heroine's journey, but yeah, the, the cliff notes of it. So my journey goes back all the way to my early childhood. And I'm sure many relate to this. I grew up in a very religious environment. So I grew up evangelical Christian. I just want to preface by saying that I have um, at this point, zero, like, how should I say this? I'm not here to bash religion. Like there's a lot of people that will say that like all of Christianity is terrible and awful. That's not the place that I come from, but I really do like to name the parts that were, were problematic and harmful for me. Um, So the, the overall, like, premise of evangelical Christianity or Christianity in general is this idea of original sin, right? That we are all born bad and in need of redemption. (laughs) And so this was sort of like baked into me at a very, very young age, this belief that I needed to constantly be earning my goodness in the eyes of God. And so that manifests itself over the course of my life in so many different versions of good girl programming. The first one I remember being through the lens of my body image. So feeling like I needed to make my body as perfect and appealing as possible. And then I would know I was good. Um, Or when I got older, it really came through the lens of like success and achievement. So as long as I was getting promotions and getting raises and getting recognition at work, I was like, okay, now I know I'm good. It also showed up in the way that I developed orthorexia through getting really involved in the pure pure foods movement, not pure moods, not the, not the, (laughs) that like beautiful Enya collection of music from the nineties, pure foods movement, and really trying to make my body cleansed and perfect and all of that kind of stuff. And so it manifested itself for me in so many different ways to the point that by the time I was in my late twenties, I was like, as, as cliche as it sounds, I was like, who, who am I? Right? Like, who am I? I live my life almost solely for the expectations of others, whether it's relationships or friendships or my boss, but like what I think, where I think I should be in my career and in my life and what I think I should want. Like I had no connection to my desires, my power, my voice, any of that. And I would say there's been, there's been many turning points along the way. One was when I found coaching. And I actually got into coaching because of my disordered relationship with food that I thought was healthy, but wasn't. (laughs) That can be a story for another time. Um, 
and started to do some of this deeper transformational work and looking at these patterns and ways in which I was not living in alignment with the fullness of, of who I am, or actually had zero access to that for, for most of my life. And through, through coaching, through starting my own business, through creating so much awareness around the ways in which I had fragmented myself, I was able to start to call those parts of myself back slowly, but surely starting with my relationship to my body and, and healing how I saw myself and healing my relationship to food. But then that opened me up to like looking at how I'd attached my worth to my productivity and all of those, all of those different types of things. And yeah, it continues to be an unfolding journey, but I would say now I'm, I'm at a place where I am so consistently aware, consciously aware of when I'm giving my power away in order to be perceived as good by other people or the world or society um, that I'm quickly able to call that back to myself. And so that's also what I, what I get to help women do now through the course of through, throughout my, my coaching programs and things like that. So yeah, that's sort of the, the cliff notes version of the story. <laughs> And I think so many of us can relate, especially that perfectionism overachieving mentality, which we wear with badges of honor so much of the time. And I'm realizing this in my lifetime and even my mom's generation is this, the wave of feminism. And like, we, we took that on as like, we're feminists that we can do it all. We can have a high achieving career, have a family, you know, keep a house clean, do everything. But if we look at why we're doing it, mm -hmm. the, the roots of it, I think a lot of it does stem from this like good girl compliancy. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for all of the waves of feminism that have come through and paved the way for, for, for us as women to be where we are today and to have the resources and the access that we have today, even though it does still feel like there's lots of work to do. Um, and I was having this conversation on my podcast, actually, with a woman named Evelyn Hale, um, who is like a feminine teacher, feminine masculine polarity teacher. And she was talking about the, the second wave of feminism when women were like, yeah, well, we... Like it was like almost like we stepped into the workforce with the expectation of being able to keep up with men, <laughs> right? Like, and and being able to do it all. And in many ways, we have. Like, we've been like we can we can be in senior leadership. We can, uh, you know, have a family. We can keep the house clean. We can you know give ourselves an orgasm. Right? Like, we can do all of these things ourselves. <laughs> and it's left us in this this place of still feeling really dissatisfied, still feeling really disconnected from ourselves. And in many ways at least for me in my own personal experience and what I see, it, it feels like it can leave us with fewer options in a way because we feel like we're expected to do all of these things that we can't actually tune into what it is that we want, like what a satisfying and fulfilling life would look like for us on a unique and individual level. Yeah. When we just give, 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 you know, the cheesy saying you can't give from an empty cup, mm -hmm. but you won't know what you want, what you need, what you desire, what's pleasurable, what's joyful to you if you're just constantly giving and you feel the shame and the blame, all of those. Like, I think shame vibrationally is like the lowest emotion. Yeah. <laughs> and it is thick. Like, I, this past few years, I've been working through it too. It's a, it's a new layer of it, of unfolding it. If, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, a client of mine that I've worked with for a while and she became a mother and loves being a mother, like loves being able to care for her son, loves being, um, you know, really like she's taken on the role of stay at home mom. And (laughs) yet she sees like her friends and people out in the world who are still doing their entrepreneurial stuff and still, you know, achieving and doing all this. And she's like bringing to me, like, should I want that still? Like, there's a part of me that feels like I should want that. I'm like, well, it's really important to look at the, the, the should piece of it. Cause she was feeling that guilt of like, yeah, but I'm not like, I'm a stay-at-home mom and my partner supporting me. And like, I, I should be doing what they're doing. And, and there's a shame associated with that. But when we peel back the layers, I'm like, what, like, what is it that you really want? She's like, I really want to read. Like for now, I really want to raise my son. Like I really want to be his primary caregiver. And it was such a liberating moment for her to create that separation and to be able to be like, wow, I can celebrate my friends and colleagues who are out in the world doing their work and also know that I'm exactly where I need to be right now. So we get to get rid of that comparison shame game. I was just going to say that like comparisonitis is so... It'll sneak up on, I mean, snuck up on me the other day. And I was oh, like, yeah. wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, we will like pause. Like, let's, let's take a second. Let's connect to the higher part of me. Not, not, not this like wounded side of it, the good girl. Mm-hmm. And, and realize just like your, your client was saying, I had to get to a place where I was like, how many people are in this world? You know, tons of billions of people. How, no two people are exactly the same. No two people have the exact same journey. You know what? And I had to literally walk my th- myself through what makes me unique. What unique experience have I had? What makes me happy? What makes me feel sparkly and and more like myself? That's going to be different than every single person's. And my life and my journey internally and externally is going to look different. <laughs> Yeah. And can we allow space for that? Can we just allow space for like us to tune into what it is that we actually want? I, I saw this, um, Instagram quote the other day from her name is jazz, the moon mother, I think, or jazz of moon, I think is her Instagram handle. And she said, what if you're actually deeply content, but it's the world that's convinced you that you're not. And I'm like, oh, like that, that got me because we are so, and as feminine essence beings too, like the, the thing about the feminine is that the feminine is always wanting more and is always like perpetually unsatisfied, unsatisfied. And that's a, a beautiful thing in many ways. But like, also I, I've, I've found for myself even that there's been times where I have been deeply satisfied with like what, like with the clients that I have, with the money that I make with the house that I live, like the lifestyle that I have. But there's, there's this like little part of me in the back of my head. That's like, but you should be doing the more social inter- You should be having more social interaction or you should be doing this or you should be doing that. And when I like really tune in and listen to myself, I'm like, oh, that's not actually me. That's not actually me. That's saying that I want that. That's like our, our consumer, our consumer driven world. That's like totally built to like create this environment of constantly needing more in order to have status and prestige and to be seen as worthy in society. But if I actually come back to my own voice, I'm like, Oh no, like I'm, I'm deeply satisfied with what my life looks like right now. (laughs) And like, that's okay. Like I don't have to want what that person has. Exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head of like, with social media, 
now, even before social media, seeing all the flashy cars, the, you know, houses, the purses, whatever, really kind of bleeds into your own being. And just like watching the news is probably not, I know it's not great. I don't anymore. (laughs) I haven't for a long time. Um, Bleeds into your soul. And I think now more than ever, everything just feels even more hyperpolarized, whether it's politics, the world, even in your own head, you know, you just feel like, am I, am I going crazy? I ask myself that a lot. I think that's fine because you do. (laughs) (laughs) It's because we're growing and things are opening up for us. And what, what if it was all happening for you? Right. And I, I constantly have to check in with myself where, you know, from what part of me are these desires coming from? And like you beautifully said, a lot of the times it's the shoulds, the, the would have, the coulda kind of things that come from this, I want to say wounded or, you know, not really who I am, but that can become so convincing, so convincing that you might think it's your intuition, but it's not. It's definitely not. There's that, that need feel like there's a lack need or if then, you know, if I have the house, if I have the relationship, if I have a bank account, if I have the success, then I'll be happy or satisfied. Probably coming from that good girl programming. Yes. But I, I will say a caveat. You, I still think I can be present and content and happy, but excited to manifest to create more to do more but I don't need to right and I think that's the distinction is I'm happy here (laughs) yes 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 and in fact that's the richest place for us to create life from right that's we like when we are in a place of scarcity which is what you were talking about before and I and I think that's the way that we can really differentiate between uh, the voice of our ego and the voice of our intuition. Ego is all about scarcity. Ego is like feeds off of it. Like, oh, never enough. I need more. I need to learn more. I need to have more. And then I'll be good. Right. And it's totally understandable because our culture has created an environment of like our starting place is unworth, right? We have to earn, we have to strive, we have to get more, we have to climb the social ladder. Like uh, it's like totally understandable. Uh, but when we are in that place of scarcity, it's a really powerful way for us to recognize, oh, this isn't actually my intuition. So it's, it's like, it's almost like the desire can stay the same, but the come from is totally different. So instead of coming from this place of scarcity, it comes from this place of abundance. Like I'm deeply satisfied with who I am and what I have and, and like what I'm creating now and, you know, feminine again, like wanting more and I want more, I desire more. And when I have that more, it's not going to make me more worthy, right? Like I'm already, I'm like my starting place here is worth. My starting place here is enoughness and goodness. Whew, that is juicy. And I know I can feel far away at times from your reality. And it is for me too. I think that's normal. I think we go through waves and, I, and it, there's no end goal. And I think with, you know, your experience with orthorexia and I, I've been there myself you think if I only control how much I move my body or how much I eat or what I eat or whatever, then everything will be okay. But it's really those, those programs that we need to start to work through that good girl, which can come out. And like we've been talking a lot about productivity or success, 
disordered eating, body shame, which I know you work a lot with those two. I know every person is different, but how can we start to really look at this good girl programming? And and I I know awareness is always the first step. (laughs) It is. Awareness is like, is, is the first step. And I I have like a a five-step process that I, that I work through with my clients to support them in getting to that place of feeling whole within themselves, or what we also would call feminine freedom, where they are really standing in the place of worth and power and, and listening to the, their own voice for once versus the voice of everybody else. Um, but I would say that, oh, okay. So after awareness comes responsibility. And this is one that can feel like, oh, like taking responsibility is like, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I like to, I talk about good girl program, but I programming, but I'll interchangeably, I'll use compliant woman because good girl still feels infantilizing to me. Good girl still feels like, okay, we're, we're calling ourselves children essentially. And children don't have power. Children don't necessarily have, um, self-responsibility, right? They, they really don't. They are, you know, they're learning that over time, but women adults, (laughs) we have responsibility. And once we have that awareness, it's our job from that point to to consciously choose different. And I, this is not, not an overnight process by any means. This is something that I do, um, slowly over time through small action with my clients. And so I can give a couple of examples if that, if that works. Um, so something that we didn't go through, but I, I have, um, five different manifestations of the, com- the compliant woman. And I'll just like briefly share what they are. And then I have like a ton of other podcasts and resources that people can check out to go um, more deeply into it, but they are self-silencing, self-denial, self-sacrifice, self-limitation, and self-questioning. So this is how we really, and we've kind of covered most of these in many ways, but um, for instance, self-silencing is is probably the one that I see show up the most for my clients. And so what we'll do is we'll start with, okay, recognizing where did you learn to fragment your voice? Where did you, and this is the awareness piece, you know, who taught you to be quiet? Who taught you to only say the palatable, the right things? Who taught you what the the right opinions were to have? You know, you were talking about politics being so divided and all of that, um, especially in social media. Like that's that's something that I've come up against. That's something that I see my clients come up against where they feel like they can't add nuance to a conversation. They can't ask questions because they're afraid of receiving some sort of label or being attacked online or whatever it might be. And that's not just online. It's in their, their in real life relationships as well. And so what we'll start to work on is slowly building the muscle of trusting their own voice. And it doesn't mean that like suddenly, so like for me, for instance, when I was working on this, I'm like, okay, in order to get over this, I need to go share every controversial opinion I have online. (laughs) And did I do that? No. (laughs) And in fact, I like resisted like sharing anything because I thought I it had to be this like big grandiose action that I took. And at, we know as coaches, when we push ourselves too far past like where our our what, what I would call like our critter brain, like our our monkey mind is willing to go, we will snap back in the other direction, right? So like our brains, the parts of our our brain that's meant to keep us safe, the amygdala experiences change, even if it's change that's um, helpful for us as a threat to its survival. So me doing that, me me going out and sharing all my controversial opinions was gonna like it felt like literally like I was gonna die. But when I kind of chunked it down a little bit and I started 
started with, okay, we're going to just do a one, like what's 1% action that I could take here to really create a new experience for myself. I decided that I was going to find one friend, one friend that I knew loves me no matter what, like that I can fully trust. And I hope, I really hope that everyone has that one friend (laughs) or maybe it's a partner, whoever. And I was going to share with her something that I wrote that was quote unquote controversial. (laughs) And, and I got her consent first and just knowing that like all I was going to get back from her was thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. And then over time after writing, I was able to share with her, like using my voice, like, Hey, this is what I feel about this thing. And having her be like, I see that the same way, or actually I see that different. And knowing that, Oh, I'm okay. Like I'm okay where we can still have be in partnership together and being friendship together and see things differently. And so that started to build my muscle of like, my voice is valuable. It's okay to, to be different from, from everyone else or to see things differently than everyone else. And then it got me to a place where I was actually able to share some of my more quote unquote controversial opinions on my podcast. I did a whole podcast episode um, on cancel culture. <laughs> that's uh, That's like been, you know, very well received by people. And it was something that I felt really afraid to put out, but it was, it was like me finally knowing that my voice mattered and that, yeah, like I didn't need the approval of everyone in order for me to be able to do that, but I couldn't have done that overnight. I couldn't have. And so it's these small steps over time where we're challenging the narrative that allow us to realize that we, that our voice matters, that we have power and yeah. And like, know that, um, that it's not going, like, it doesn't have to be this big grandiose thing that happens overnight. Like it's, it's a lifelong journey and process as both you and I have said multiple times. <laughs> and I, I find so many similarities. I know we're both in like the entrepreneurial world of people wanting to start a business. I think mm-hmm. of this example, because I see it all the time. And like, people are saying, quit your job right away. Do you know, jump right in. That's not how it works. It's not how I'm working. <laughs> It takes small actions, you know, consistency, showing up. This is a silly, maybe not silly example, but like real world world example. And say the same with with your body, with what you feed it and how you take care of yourself. Like, you know, adding adding in, maybe if you eat all processed foods, maybe adding in two vegetables a day or one fruit a day or something overnight, just slowly adding more good. You know, yes, yes, yeah. It's so many people wonder why they sabotage themselves, and there's many reasons why we do sabotage ourselves. But oftentimes, it's because we we just need to lower our expectations. You know, (laughs) such good coaching advice: lower your expectations. But it's true; like it really is true. Like I see that with so many of my clients. Like I'm, I'm like, we're pushing too hard here. Like we're expecting too much of you too quickly, and we need to like level set and come back to like, okay, what's the one percent change that is going can happen over time to lead you to where you want to be. Agreed. 10,000%. And I know we've been talking a little bit more about like diet culture, but I would love this transition talking more about intuitive eating and how that's super helpful and how it could help you feel more empowered in your health and fully feel nourished in your body too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So dieting is also another way the the good girl plays out. I'll, I'll share a quote. It's like a quote that I feel like 
really informs my work. And it's from the book, um, The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. And it goes, a culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. Dieting is the most potent political sedative in women's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. (laughs) I know (laughs) that quote, like it gives me chills every single time I read it, like the piece about obedience, but then also the piece about how dieting makes us tractable. It makes us moldable. And yeah, there's a reason why 91% of women are dissatisfied with their bodies and turning to diets that fail 98% of the time in order to remedy it. And it keeps us in this constant cycle of, of either up and down or you know on the wagon, off the wagon that creates shame, right? And keeps us from actually moving forward with our life and what we want to put out into the world. And so dieting is, oh gosh, I mean, it's, it's taken on so many forms at this point that so many people are like, well, I don't diet. It's a lifestyle. And it's like, "Mm." (laughs) if you're restricting in any way, it's a diet. Like that's, that's just the nature of like, that's just the truth. And, and, um, dieting, we have like 70 plus years of research that shows that it actually is like completely the opposite of how our bodies are meant to thrive. So when we restrict calories, our energy levels slow down, our metabolism decreases, and our bodies will implement these biological mechanisms to induce eating. So like when people feel like they can't control themselves around food or that they are food addicted or whatever it is, it's generally a reaction to restriction because our bodies are like, hmm. I feel like you're going to try, you're trying to kill me essentially. Uh, but even psychologically, the mere thought of I can't have X, Y, or Z food can lead us to a place of feeling compulsive and out of control and, and having cravings around food. And so the work that I'm doing with my clients is really recognizing the behaviors that we've been taught to, that will nourish our bodies and bring about health and well-being are actually doing the exact opposite <laughs> for our bodies. And so we bring in the practice of intuitive eating. And I use um, the actual book, Intuitive Eating, because a lot of people think that intuitive eating is just about listening to your intuition and then your body will tell you exactly what to eat. But like, that's part of it. And it's so much more complex than that. Really intuitive eating is about creating a weight neutral approach to health and well-being, where we're not centering weight as the only outcome for caring for and nurturing our bodies. Because again, dieting, that will backfire, right? And so with intuitive eating, what we're learning how to do is tune into our bodies, unique needs for hunger, for fullness, and for satisfaction. But the overarching principle of intuitive eating um, is one that when I talk about it, many people are like, uh, you're crazy if you think I'm going to do that, but it's something called unconditional permission to eat. And what that means is I get to eat what I want when I want it. And so many people feel like if they were to give themselves permission to eat whatever they want, whenever they want it, th- then they would just go wild, right? And then they would eat all the quote unquote bad foods. <laughs> Again, good and bad, right? We like we make ourselves we pay, like we um, associate our morality with what we eat, so that plays into good girl programming as well. Um, and then they're going to get sick, and they're going to put on weight, and all of these things are going to happen to them. Yet, with unconditional permission to eat, it's not about eating quote unquote, all of the bad foods. There's, there's sometimes where people will go through a honeymoon phase where they'll be like, okay, I got to eat all of these things because it's still like their body doesn't quite trust them yet to know that those foods will be available to them. But what unconditional permission to eat is about is like calming the nervous system, allowing the body to take a breath, allowing the body to know, 
okay, because restriction is incredibly stressful for the body. It's like, okay, body, we're not going to go into restriction mode, right? We're not going to prevent you from having these foods that are satisfying and pleasurable and and make you, you know, eat dinner before you go to the party. So you don't, (laughs) so you don't eat any of the delicious foods that are going to be there. Like, Hey, that was me for a long time. And from this place of a calm nervous system, we're going to build the trust to know that you are going to choose the, the, the foods that most align with your unique body. And oftentimes what that looks like is eating a variety of different foods. Like you're going to, sometimes you're going to eat salmon and vegetables and other times you're going to have pizza and other times you're going to want a salad and other times you're going to want ice cream. And it, it neutralizes food. So there's not this big emotional reaction that happens every time we eat something that's quote unquote bad. And then we quote unquote fall off the wagon, right? It's like, Oh no, like I get to eat that thing and just move on with my life and feel satisfied. And like, I experienced something that was pleasurable and it doesn't have to mean anything about me. Mic drop on that one for sure. <laughs> I know for me, I mean, I've transitioned out of health coaching, but I wasn't for doing that for a while. But now, obviously, more witchy wellness type mindfulness. But I would tell my clients and myself if I want to eat that cupcake or whatever I want to eat, I'm going to be the best cupcake eater in the entire world. I'm going to be so freaking present. But every single delectable, delicious, chocolatey bite, but it's, I'm, it becomes funny. Like in, in a way it's like, and I might eat the whole cupcake. I, I might eat three. I meet, might eat half, but when I'm truly, truly, truly present and allowing myself that pleasure, allowing myself to delight that delectable, you know, like we talk about the feminine, this whole episode that that's being present, that's being in, in your body embodied. And food is a great way to escape your body sometimes, but food's also a great way to be in your body, to be able to taste it and actually chew your food. That's a whole nother podcast, but chew your food, people. <laughs> yes, chew your food. Yeah, like, and I think sometimes we we skip the chewing process, one, because we're so busy, but other times because we're, we're just associating because yeah. we're, we're eating the cupcake or the quote unquote bad food and we're trying to just get it over with as quickly as possible so that we can like, avoid this, like feeling the actual shame around what we're doing, even though it's nothing to be ashamed of. And as you were talking and saying like, I'm going to be the best cupcake eater. Like the thing that came to me was like, I'm going to be the adult cupcake eater, right? I'm going to be the woman who's eating the cupcake versus like, you think about a child needs permission to eat food, right? A child um, has to have their food monitored. And, and that's like a whole other conversation because we also need to be teaching children how to trust themselves, but they do need guidelines and, you know, they learn from watching us, but like children need instruction, <laughs> we don't, we're, we're adults. Like we can trust ourselves to make the right choices for our body. And, and the pleasure piece of it is, is so key. We don't actually realize, um, you know, with like everything that's been going on with COVID, one of the symptoms of COVID is, is loss of taste and smell. Right. And so I, I actually did have COVID, um, and I experienced the loss of taste and smell and there's literally nothing that you can like compare it to. Like so many people think it's just like when you have a flu and you have a stuffy nose and so you can't taste it well. No, these like the cells and your like olfactory, whatever senses die. Like it di- it's so much so that like you can't taste anything. You can't smell anything. It's almost like those senses are dead. And I remember when I went through the COVID experience, how um, demoralizing it, like it, it felt eating felt disgusting to me. 
when, when I didn't have taste and smell. Like I remember my husband and I like got Chipotle cause we could feel the hunger, but like eating it, I was like, this is disgusting. And so many doctors and nutritionists were really worried about people's who were losing like long-term. I think we lost ours for about two, two and a half weeks, but like long-term months having never gotten their taste and smell back, what that does to mental health and physical health, because we evolved. Like one of the reasons that we've survived as a human species is because of pleasure, because we're able to taste food and go back to it. Otherwise, like if we didn't have taste, like we probably would have died out as a species a long time ago. This food is so unenjoyable when we can't taste it and it doesn't taste good. So pleasure is very, very important <laughs> to the eating experience. Yeah. And just to life in general, like you said, yes. I mean, it's our birthright. I think for me, that's like the antidote for the compliant good girl is pleasure. Is that joyful, right? And Oh, yes. Oof. Yes. Knowing that we are so deserving of that pleasure and that we don't have to do anything to earn it. Like that's, that's something that I was, we were talking about, I was talking about in a coaching call yesterday is like so many, a big part of good girl and compliant woman programming is that we, we feel like we need to earn our, our keep. Like we need to earn our place in society. We need to earn our, our pleasure. We need to earn our rest all of these things that we like deeply desire, we have to earn. And so it makes those things conditional, right? It makes these things. And, and oftentimes we, it's like, it's almost like we, the, the expectation we have for ourselves, like the earning is never enough. Like we can't earn enough to get to the pleasure that we so deeply desire. And, and so that's when we find ourselves just kind of like numbing out with things. Like if we, and again, I'm like, I love a good binge of, <laughs> of Netflix. Like this is, but like, we might find ourselves going to like, d- like um, tune out, right. And zone out versus be present with the pleasure that we want. Because when we're doing the zone out thing, it's like, oh, I don't actually deserve this. And so I'm just going to like completely disassociate while I do it. Same with food. Mm -mm. Well, I think we can have a whole other podcast on that episode, but I'm going to have to unfortunately pause our convo today. It was such a pleasure, Holly, talking with you, all these things. I know I would say every single person listening will probably relate to one thing, if not everything in this episode. Um, We close out every single show thanking you for your time today, showing up for us, imparting your wisdom and showing up for yourself to get, you know, to do that work yourself and continue. Cause it's, it's just, it's not an end goal. As we said, it's, mm. it's a process, mm. process of experiencing more pleasure. And how may we, the listeners as an act of gratitude, be of service for you in return today? Mm. I love that. Can I just, can I give two? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Go right. ahead. <laughs> um, the first one would be, we need more women trusting themselves or just people in general trusting themselves. So like, if you can find one way to just like trust yourself today, <laughs> that is going to make such a tremendous difference in the world around us. Like, I don't think we under, we, we underestimate the power of self-trust and how that impacts the world around us. So work on that <laughs> because we need you. We need like strong women who are trusting themselves. Um, and then the other would be, so I did launch my own podcast back in March, which we'll have to have you on, Lauren. I think we could have a really fun conversation. Um called return to wholeness and it's my my baby i love it so much and if y'all want to go and check out an episode and if you enjoy it leave a five star rating and review that would help me out so much with just boosting it in 
the Apple podcast algorithm. <laughs> oh yeah. We all know. We know about that here. Oh yeah. We know about that. Well, with that being said, if you guys like this episode, make sure to share it with somebody. I'm sure you have a girlfriend, a sister, a mother, a cousin, whoever who can relate to this. And if you guys are interested in learning more, make sure to click on the notes, check out Holly and her podcast and all of her beautiful programs, because I have a funny feeling you could have some good girl programming or compliant woman stuff that you could be working through. And as always, if you guys like, if you haven't subscribed already, please hit subscribe, leave a five-star rating or review. I would be so happy. And if you guys leave uh, a written review, make sure you tag me online and I will send you a little witchy wellness swag bag just for you guys. And thank you so much, Holly, for coming on. It was such an important conversation and pleasurable, but important to have with you today. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Lauren. I really enjoyed our conversation. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way.